Front rope. Give it to Henry. Henry is going to try to get to the goal line and does. Touchdown. Third and five. Levis gets a, well what else is new another flag down he goes Watt knocks him down but you got a penalty again they need points and fast and they can't really settle for anything but seven it feels like Tua for the end zone and Wilson a touchdown no flags 31 yards Tua out to Hill, and that goes Noah Balls loose. It is loose and picked up and lateral. Brian Cook. Touchdown. Kansas City. Unanimous All-American at Tulsa, year three form in the NFL. And a big, big play there for the Cardinals. Another booming kick by Bohorquez. Fielded by Dorch. Dorch has some real estate. Crosses the 40, takes on a hit, breaks a tackle. Inside Brown's territory at the Arizona 49. On second and nine, Watson looking pass deflected. High in the air, and it is caught. Cooper, touchdown. To overcome those pre-snap penalties, they've had a bunch of them. A quick throw, trying to beat the blitz. Smith, loose. Jono Smith, he's taking it all the way in for a Falcon touchdown. And slides in the tunnel to finish. Third and four. Time. Catch. Brandon Powell, touchdown Vikings, and they have the lead. With one second on the play clock, just in time. There's play action. Gino steps up, unloads, finds Metcalf in the open. Metcalf racing down the sideline and then goes out of bounds. It looks to be fine on this series. Second and five, we'll keep an eye on it. As Mitchell breaks it, there's that speed. Mitchell to the end zone and a touchdown. Oh, they found something today. We'll bring an extra man. Love's protected. Love's got Watson deep down the field. What a grab by Christian Watson. Jordan Love said he looks for in these situations. We look for him here. He's looking in that direction. Love trying to take off. Got tripped up. Aaron Donald with his big play ability. Houston up by three. Shotgun for Mayfield. End zone! Kate Otten, touchdown! Buccaneers go in front! Baker Mayfield! A strike for the score! And a kiss! And now, can they win it? Trout to the end zone! Touchdown! Tank Dell! C.J. Stroud 
leads a magical drive. It appeared as if there may have been some issues with the communication, so Brissett helping single in the plays. Second down and 10. Here's Howell going deep. To the end zone, and it's caught. Touchdown, Dodson. From the 35, Stevenson, first down and more. Ramondre Stevenson still going. Chased by Pearl Stevenson into the end zone. 64 yards for a New England touchdown. Chicago in the red zone where they are tied for fourth this year in touchdown percentage. Bajan looking deep for Cole Komet. Oh, what a catch! Komet goes up to get it, and it's a touchdown for the Bears. On the throwback. This, a, was, this was an ill-advised throw. What an unbelievable catch by Colt the Met. Tenth play of the drive. It's third and goal. Carr standing in there and out of the end zone. And it's caught for a touchdown. Chris Olave. His... They rush four. He's flush. Chased by Buckner. Caught. And touchdown. DJ Chark! That's Thielen on the move. It's a first and ten and young. Underneath it's picked off! And here comes the veteran Kenny Moore! Chased by Young! That is a big six! DeVito. Good protection. Breaks down. On the run. Got open in the back of the end zone and a little hesitation for Wandale Robinson he checked his feet and they were both in and it's a Giants touchdown the best starting field position for the Raiders at the 40-yard line and O'Connell wants to take a deep shot and he's got Trey Tucker out there Tucker diving and he makes the catch inside the 10 first and goal Las Vegas Throw it again. Four man pressure. Hurts going deep for the end zone. Devontae Smith has got it. Touchdown, Philadelphia. And that is just an absolutely perfectly placed go ball. Bump and run man coverage. Prescott looking. Throwing end zone. He's got it for the touchdown. It's Jalen Tolbert. Empty backfield, first and goal. Burrow, end zone. Smith, got it. Touchdown, Cincinnati. What an opener. Third and one. And Allen, look to the end zone for the touchdown. Stefan Diggs, and the Bills stay alive. So on third and one, Diggs beats the Michigan rookie, D.J. Turner. And it's an eight-point game. So with three and out from each side, Thomas Morstead has had in some ways his best year at 37 years old. Drives Darius Davis back and a pretty good return. Good's turning to great. Darius Davis, he is gone. There are no flags on the field, and those are the first points on this Monday night. Touchdown. They hadn't sustained anything, but I think he's the guy who gives them an opportunity to make some plays. 
Wilson out to his left, has a lot of room in front of him, and he finds Garrett Wilson. There's a start. Wilson is to the 44. G'day Aussie Gridiron fans, welcome back to G'day Gridiron for the week 9 recap episode. All the boys are in the house this week for this episode. Manjot and Brad, how are we going? Well, I've survived for my uh, Cowboys, another disappointing uh, weekend, but I should be used to it. But uh, I'm, 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 I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to talk football. It's been a few years that you've been a Cowboys fan now, Brad, so you should be very used to that disappointment. Oh, yeah. Oh. True, true. Yeah, especially the last 30, unfortunately, Brad, for you. Um, I, just, I was actually uh, going for the Cowboys you. this week. Yes. I was going for the Cowboys this week. All right, so uh. I, I, felt, I felt the disappointment for one week, Brad. I don't know how it feels like for you, but... Man, I was disappointing the Cowboys too this week. I, can I we felt... just can we just note? Can all the 49ers fans who follow Manjot just note that Manjot was a Cowboys fan for this week? There we go. Uh, there we go. I hate it's... Philadelphia right so... now, especially right now. So we just make hate sure we do that. Just just make sure everyone notes that down, remembers that. All right, uh, we got a lot of games to get through. Fourteen games to get through on the slate for this week. Of course, there are only four teams on by. So, Manjot's 49ers were one of them. So, we won't have to hear any 49ers talk, but there definitely will be Cowboys. <laughs> and surprisingly, even though I, I called it last week, but there will be Vikings talk this week. So, we'll try mm. and um, try and keep most of these games to a little bit of a minimum so we can get through these 14 games in a decent amount of time. We don't like serving you up hour and a half episodes every single week because we know people have lives and as much as you like to listen to our sweet dulcet tones in your headphones uh yeah it's not always the best thing so let's get cracking on boys let's go all the way back to thursday night football to steelers and titans the titans came into pittsburgh uh very, I would say that they were favourites at that point for the majority of the world, mainly due to the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers don't have a clear identity yet. But Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin did exactly what they always do and came out with a very small win, 20 to 16 over the Titans. And the Steelers are currently five and three. So they're getting very close to that 500 mark once again. Uh, as most Mike Tomlin uh, team led teams do, boys, I thought for sure, and this is me, I thought for sure that Tennessee, after the Tennessee and Will Levis game in Week Eight, and uh, a, a great showing on debut, I thought for sure they would come out swinging, and they did. But the Pittsburgh defense were just uh, a little bit better than the Tennessee offense were. Yeah, the, the I just. The, the Pittsburgh has a way of when they are down and out and you think, no, they're, they're not going to do it. They find a way to win. It's it's just Mike Tomlin. I don't know what the dude is a wizard. I don't know what it is. So uh, hats off to Mike. Deontay Johnson finally finds the end zone after 22 games. So congratulations to him. But uh, Pittsburgh's got to do something about that offense. They are the only team to not out uh to to not outgain the other the opponent this season in terms of yardage 
So they have yet to outgain the impotence. So I, th I think that fire Matt Canada thing is a real uh, is a real thing. Uh, I'm sure Manjot's excited about that. Well, Manjot, Matt, Matt, Matt Canada was on the field for this game. Mike Tolman told him to get down out of the box and experience the game on the field. Uh, and maybe no, that... Man Manjot told him to get down out of the box, and so he listened to Manjot. <laughs> Mate, I, I think no, I, I everybody. That about Steve, I said that about Steve Wilkes, the Niners defensive coordinator. So maybe oh, okay. Steve Wilkes okay. should take notes of what Matt Canada did yeah. right there. And it worked. Well, it worked for Matt Canada, See? obviously, didn't See? it? I mean, we saw him dabbing up with the boys and getting excited after TDs. Things we hadn't seen from Matt Canada when he was sitting in the box. Yeah, things we haven't seen was Deontay Johnson getting a touchdown for the first time in 600 and something days since Ben Roethlisberger was quarterback. That's <laughs> how long it's been since Deontay Jeez. Johnson actually got a TD. So there you go. See, miracles can happen once Matt Canada's on the sideline. I honestly thought Will Levis didn't play that badly. I think he was a bit of a, I think a bit of a, what's the it's the opposite of beneficiary i can't think of the word but he was really held back by his offensive play calling i think a lot of the play calls just really didn't suit him they're very safe just, they're very safe man Joe. i think yeah, that's the best way to describe safe. it until the end when they sent everyone to the end zone and it's like what's he supposed to do and he throws into like double coverage which is like the best option he has. And yeah. that's that's like where it gets a bit murky for me. I think they should have fed Henry a little bit more, even though he wasn't as good as he usually is. But I, I still think they could have fed him a little bit more. Yep. I for think sure. the def yeah, I think the Steelers defense though, they're legit. They still find ways to win every single game. Defense is mainly their identity. You say they don't really have an identity yet, Ian. I really, I, I think I disagree with that. I think they've really shown the Steelers their identity. Their identity is tough, gritty football. The most ugly ways to win, and it's usually defensively. Fair enough. Let's um, let's take a trip overseas to Germany for the first German game, and NFL Frankfurt games. Uh, between the Dolphins and the Chiefs, the the Chiefs ended up coming away pretty much runaway winners in this. They were up very early with their twenty one points. It was weird. It's weird two halves of football. The Dolphins were absolutely woeful out of the gate in the first half. Ended up going into the sheds twenty one nil down to the Chiefs uh, before they came back in the third quarter to score their their only fourteen points. Um, I think the best way I could describe this, and Manjot, you watched a lot of the second half, so I'm keen to hear your thoughts. But a lot of what I saw was just not great play from Tua uh, and his and his receiving call. Honestly, I'm going to slightly disagree. I think with that, Ian, I, I do think Tua didn't play his best this game, especially at the end of the game. I mean, that offensive line let him down the last snap and the snap before Tua just throws it to the ground in the middle of nowhere. It's really, yeah, it wasn't really that good, but I think there has to be a lot of credit for this Chiefs defense. I think <laughs> this is definitely the most elite defense that Patrick Mahomes has had. I think you can call this Chiefs defense elite. 
I mean, they don't really have many stars on that side of the ball because all we talk about is Mahomes, Kelsey, all the offensive guys, but we don't talk about the defense. McDuffie, you have Nick Bolton, you have Lejarius Sneed, Willie Gay, these sort of guys, Justin Reed, they really can come together and make a great defense. And that's what we really saw in this game, I think. The reason why they won by seven, I think, in my opinion, before halftime, just before halftime, they forced a fumble from Tyreek Hill, return it all the way after a lateral as well. Just smart defensive play. And I think that was really the difference in the end. The Dolphins could have been down 14 to three at half. They could have won this game 17-14. We could have a very different story here, especially the offensive struggles the Chiefs have. But the defense, they make a great play. And it really just took them out of it. It was one score too many for Miami. It really could have been a different story. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs defense, they came in clutch just before halftime, got the score on the board, and that's why I think they should really be considered an elite defense. No, I have to agree, Banjo. The defense is slept on for the Kansas City Chiefs. Too much talk about the offense. Uh, and I think, and I don't know, Brad, I'll, I'll throw this one to you a little bit. I think that their offense is underwhelming to me at the moment, despite the fact that they seem to eke out these wins. I don't think that they've been playing at their best. And I think they should have taken a lot more advantage of of the trade uh, deadline, which has just passed, and actually been a little bit more active, especially in finding someone a, a, a proper weapon on receiving. Yeah, I think everybody was a little bit surprised they didn't do anything because their wide receiver core is so obviously underwhelming. You, know, you got Travis Kelsey, and that's about it. Um, but I think they're just they're banking on the fact that uh, Andy Reid can still, you know, do his magic. And I think they're hoping Sky more develops, uh, obviously. Um, just quickly in terms of this game, I think it, hats off to the, the Dolphins front seven. They really pressured the, mm. the Chiefs defense or offense and they put pet pressure on Patrick Mahomes quite a bit uh, you know they had a strip sack of them and stuff so uh they've been much maligned but i really felt like they showed up pretty well in this game yeah, absolutely 100 uh, one more one more yeah. quick thing i thought i thought a really good job at the end by raheem mostert as well he was really willing the dolphins back in that especially the last couple of drives they had it's, it's unfortunate because of how the time rules apply in the nfl that he couldn't be given the ball more at the end of the game because I thought he was really wearing out that defense. But, yeah, I, I digress there, Ian, my bad. But now, just wanted know, to give a quick shout-out there to most <laughs> for a couple of great runs at the end. Yep. Uh, let's move on to uh, – let's go to Atlanta for the Vikings versus the Falcons. And as I said, there is Ooh. actually going to be Vikings talk, which as a Vikings fan, without a Kirk Cousins-led Vikings with – a rookie QB and uh, already injured backups. I didn't think we would be in this position. Uh, the Vikings, of course, signed Josh Dobbs during the week. Dobbs had uh, the grand total of five days with the team, mostly in Atlanta, and ended up coming into the game. He wasn't even supposed to play the game. He was listed as the backup for this game. Jaron Hall started the game. 
He went down injured on a goal line run, a very unfortunate goal line run where he was he was definitely looking like he was going to score a rushing TD and and hats off to Jaron for believing in himself in that situation. Uh, he went down injured with a concussion. Josh Dobbs comes in basically around the uh, the end of the first quarter. There was an unfortunate um, safety that he took, but then from that point onwards, Josh Dobbs seemed to pull something out of the fire for the Vikings. And the story, I guess, that has come out is absolutely amazing. Josh Dobbs, like I said, joined the team five days before they before they played the Falcons. He didn't. He went into the game. He hardly knew anybody's actual name that he was on the field with because he'd been practicing with with the reserves and the rest of the squad. He didn't take any first team reps at all during the week. He knew hardly any of the plays in the huddles. Um, Kevin O'Connell was giving him the play call, so he was telling telling the play call to tell the guys. And as soon as they split the huddle, Kevin O'Connell was breaking down each play to him. On the go, so he was essentially saying things like, "The guy over there, the guy here at this position, he's going to run up out route this time route. He's going to run this," and he was talking to him right up until the snap count on every single one where it would cut off because the 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 NFL mics obviously cut off automatically at, at the snap count, and somehow Josh Dobbs, being the um, the brainiac, complete brainiac that he is, was able to piece together and take in all that information and actually play a game for the Vikings um, and orchestrate some uh, really good play. He did lead the rushing in, with 66 yards rushing and a, an amazing TD, a rushing TD at 1.2, showing off what Josh Dobbs can do. Uh, Madison had a pretty damn good game rushing. Cam Akers, unfortunately, now out with an ACL, a torn ACL. Um, mm. So so unfortunate yeah. for Akers. It's his left leg. He recently, he tore his right leg, his right ACL previously. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. As a Vikings fan, um, driving to work, listening to this game, watching some of it before I went to work, but as as Dobbs kept going in the second half, getting super excited about this game. It's been a long time since I was punching the air um, for us scoring TDs and big plays and stuff for Vikings games, but this was a this was some good feeling. Yeah, yeah. It felt like we were in the I was in the twilight zone watching this game, just in the sense I couldn't believe it. You know, Dobbs is is what their fourth quarterback, I think. Yes, you know? their fourth this okay. year. Yeah. So 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 they're down to their fourth quarterback. They're missing their top what two out of the three receivers. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, um. Because KJ Osborne went, yeah, Jefferson's out. Um, technically, and Addison is, is, yeah, technically Addison is two, and Os, uh, KJ Osborne went down during the game, um, okay. ended up coming out with a concussion. Oh, he looked like he got chopped in half in this game. Yeah, and and they were and they're missing their left tackle. Um, yes, Christian the, Darasaw was out early. Yeah, <laughs> he was so, out pregame. So, <laughs> so your quarterback, your left tackle, and two of your top three receivers, and you're going to tell me you're going to score 31 points and make a comeback and win the game? I mean, that's just unreal. The The NFL is just going nuts, you know, the script writers there, because they couldn't ask for a better script uh, for this one. Yeah, I mean, look, it's just one crazy win, I think, by the Vikings. They did absolutely incredibly. Just, I mean, the Falcons – it felt like a typical Falcons game. The Falcons are all known. They've had a few comebacks this year. It was about time they blew a game to a team that 
probably doesn't win in most mm -hmm. upper circumstances like this. I mean, the amount that the Vikings had to go for is so many injuries, man. Like, Ian, again, like I said last week, I can relate. I can relate to you guys going down to your third quarterback, losing all your weapons, man. Like, it's a it tough spot for any team to be in. Just how the Vikings pulled this out was incredible. I think definitely I would say the win of the week by any team. I think they're the most impressive team this week, the Vikings. Just absolutely incredible. And if you speak about the Twilight Zone, uh, Brad, I mean, the witching hour on NFL Red Zone was incredibly crazy. I was watching this game side-by-side side with Texans and Bucks, and it looked like mm. the same drive was being done by the Buccaneers and the Vikings. <laughs> At the same mm. time, they were doing the exact same drive to like get the lead in this game. It was just absolutely incredible theater watching both games side-by-side and really riding the wave of emotions of both teams. And it was incredible watching the Vikings, just how they pulled out one off. And I think a team with a lot of character and there's a lot of talent there. I'm, I'm going to be bold here, boys. I, I'm going to say it here. I think the Vikings are making the playoffs. I, well, I've seen enough. We're currently I've the, seen enough. We are, we are currently enough. the seventh team in the NFC, man. Josh. Yes, you are. We are yes, currently are. the seventh I team. Know. I, I know you guys are already in playoff contention, so it might not seem bold, but with all the adversity and everything, I still think the Vikings make the playoffs. I've seen enough character in this team, enough toughness. Despite all the injuries, that's the only concern I have about the Vikings If is if these injuries continue. But if there's enough players out there that are willing to go fight for this team, enough talent out there like Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, Madison on that offense, the defense can somehow pull it together as well. I think this is a playoff team, guys, especially in a weak NFC. I think this Vikings team is definitely making the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you what, man, Jot. Um, we're currently the seventh team. And if this is what Josh Dobbs can do yep. on five days – uh, notice with no no first team reps. Imagine what he is going to do this week with a full week under his belt with the first team against the Saints in Minnesota. So yeah, that's my point. That's my and, point. And then and I mean it's the the Saints are currently uh, a few places above us in the NFC picture. So we could pretty much drop them out of out of that down past that seventh spot with a win over them this week. So that'll be interesting. Um. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do we want to do Falcons talk? Well, we we have to just because they're the honorary today <laughs> gridiron uh, team. I'll be I'll be real quick with my with the Falcons because I know we got to move. Give it along. to us and then we'll move on. Let's go. Yeah, I feel like congratulations to the Vikings. They won the game, okay? But I feel like the Falcons. It's just they've got the ball at the one yard line. I think at first down. And what do they do? They go to to Johnu Smith. You've got Bijan Robinson, who you drafted in the in the top ten. You've got Kyle Pitts, another, another tight end, who's the most athletic tight end. You've got London, although he was injured at the time. But you see, so you've got all these playmakers, and what do you do? You try and do some trickery with Johnu Smith, and then you get some penalties, and it's just stupid. It's just absolutely the the coaching there. Is just ridiculous. And Taylor Heineke, I'm sorry. Okay, Desmond Ritter's not a stud. We know that. But at least he's a rookie, or not a rookie, but at least he's a young guy who's trying to play for position. We know Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke sucks, okay? 
So I, I'm not a big fan of Taylor Heineke. Anyway, that's my Falcons rant for the for the week. But I just feel like the coaching is what costs them this game. Falcons, Yo, man, it's, if Arthur Smith, yeah, Arthur Smith needs to be unemployed though. He does have a big FedEx inherited inheritance, so I, I would say. Arthur I think Smith that's what's is- keeping him employed, man. Jot, to be honest. <laughs> um, because the and 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 the end result for the Falcons in this in this game is the penalties are what killed them. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. The Vikings fan. They were eight penalties, sixty-two yards, whereas the Vikings yep. were only one for four. So uh, this is just yeah, it, it, ridiculous. It was so many penalties for the for the Falcons, and too many. And most of them were offensive line, which is the killer because you are killing your own offensive drives. Yeah. All right, let's move on, uh, and this will be another quick one. Uh, we're going to Cleveland for Browns versus Cardinals, where the Cleveland Browns did what everybody thought would happen against the Arizona Cardinals, who have clearly given up for 2023. And the Browns absolutely whooped them 27 to nil. So a big old zero. Clayton Tune started this game for the Arizona Cardinals, who did send off their best quarterback to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and I have no qualms in saying that, even with Kyler Murray coming back. Uh, Deshaun Watson started actually started this game for Cleveland, so that was um, very fortunate for Deshaun Watson to be starting a game against a team who was giving up. What a who could who could have thought that that would happen? Um, well done, Deshaun, for picking this game to come back. So let's see if he's out for future <laughs> weeks. Um, he absolutely oh, yeah. destroyed him. 19 to 30, 30 is still not a great numbers, even for Deshaun Watson. 219 yards, only two TDs. It was, and I don't know, it the the score and the uh the score and the stat lines don't match up for the Browns. But what did match up, Amari Cooper, five receptions, 139 yards in this. It was. It just seemed like it was all Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he got a, he got a 49, uh, 49 yards of those on one play. Um, but hats off to the, to the Browns' defense. They kind of took that loss personal last week against the Seahawks, and they really stepped up and pitched a shutout uh, this game. So hat, hats off to the defense. Arizona, you suck. Take the rest of the year off. They they sacked they sacked Clayton they sacked Clayton Tune seven times. Is fifty eight total yards, man. Fifty eight yeah. total yards. That's got to be fifty. Oh, that's got to be an all time low, real close. The hard part, like the that. hard part, man. The hard part, man. John is fifty eight yards for Tune, but only seventeen for the team because of penalties. Like it's just yeah. it's just the sacks, yeah, yeah, all it's the sacks like all the sacks lose the yards. It's just disgusting. Um, yeah, it was yeah, just horrible. So that's just horrible, man. I mean, Cardinals, shout out, Cardinals, shout come out. on, just come on, yeah. Cardinals. Like at least Look, make a game entertaining. If you're gonna lose, you can still lose, but make the thing goddamn entertaining. No, nah, this the, the Dobbs trade really showed that they were all in on the tank now. And there's reports Kyler's coming back. This Apparently going to start I'm, this week. Apparently going to start. It. But, yeah, Browns just did an amazing defensive job. Mm. I, think the only right. reason, I think the only reason Kyler comes back is so they can show that Kyler can still play and then they'll move him on as well. Yeah, yeah so, I agree. Uh, I think that's it. So let's get off, let's get off uh, Cardinals talk. Um, we're going to get to a point in the season where we need to really stick a fork in them and bury them, I think. So Broncos, Broncos, <laughs> just like the Bron- yeah, we we, we Manjot and I had to ban Broncos talk last year's last season. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we may have to do that with the Cardinals if they keep stinking up games in this way. 
All right, let's move on to Green Bay, where the Packers got a win against the Los Angeles Rams, who were led by Brett Rippon, which is a very unfortunate pick for those of us who don't wake up at 3 a.m. before the games start. Um, I really wish I did because I picked the Rams foolishly. Not, I didn't... I didn't think that Stafford was... I forgot that Stafford was out totally, and I picked the Rams to beat the Packers because if Stafford was in this game, they would have destroyed the Packers. But instead, it was Brett Rippon, uh, so I looked like an absolute turd. Uh, But Jordan Love... Yeah, but Jordan Love turned out... Jordan Love played the best game of the season, of his season, of 26, 228, and a touchdown. He actually looked like a functional... QB in this game, uh, and Aaron Jones was back with a massive 20 carries for 73 yards, only 73 yards though, but 20 carries they gave Aaron Jones, who has been injured and has just slowly been coming back. So it seems like a huge workload, but the Packers did end up running away with it. Yeah, it was a real blowout. Like, there wasn't really much the Packers, like, did wrong at all. I mean, all I really thought was love, I think, he could have played a bit better. I, I just, I mean, like, I'm not trying to like down on him. I mean, the stats look pretty good, but sometimes I just thought, yeah, he could have, he could have hit a few more throws here and there, and really made a few more big plays. I know he got sacked four times as well, which really showed as well with some of the throws there. So I think, yeah, some of these things with Jordan Love, he's still going to improve. He has to go back to the QB. He really was against the Bears in week one and was really starting the season off on a tear as I think he it's his best performance in about a month. But yeah, it's it's really it's really tough watching um Love at the moment. He's going through a few of those young QB struggles. I think for the Rams, yeah, they're not really doing much with Brett Ripping there, unfortunately. Stafford's injury is gonna be huge for them. Yeah, it's congratulations to Luke Musgrave getting his first NFL yeah. touchdown oh, yeah. out of Oregon State. So I, I, he's been he's been coming along each week too, just just yeah. slow, slow bits, but he's been coming along and looking pretty good as, as a tight end. If he can stay healthy, he he's a stud. Um, so uh, his dad and I are the same age, and or his uncle, sorry, or and I are the same age, and. I watched him play football at Oregon all the time. He was a quarterback yeah, well. for University of Oregon. Um, but anyway, you know, the Packers fans don't get too excited. Uh, the Steelers, you, you're looking at the Steelers, Chargers, Lions, and Chiefs for mm. the next four games. So enjoy this win while you can because you're not going to win Ooh. probably the next four games uh, of your season. So, And the Rams, yeah, if, if they don't have Stafford – they they are the Rams that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, pretty bad. So um, Brett Rippon, you know, you you can't hold a candle to your uh, family's namesake, um, Mark Rippon, the former Washington Super Bowl winning quarterback. So um, anyway, it's uh, yeah, it, let's not waste our breath on this game. Nope. Yeah. Uh, let's go and talk about Patriots and Commanders. Commanders went into New England, pretty clear favourites. Mac Jones and the Patriots basically stumbled their way through this game, unable to get much going offensively. And the the New England defence, whilst they did stop the Commanders at times, 
um, really couldn't really couldn't stop the might of um, Terry McLaurin, Sam Howe, uh, Brian Robinson, um, even Jahan Dotson got in there as well. And the Commanders ended up winning 20 to 17. Sam Howe threw 45 attempts, 325 yards, TD in an interception in this game, and only three sacks for Sam Howe. So his offensive line are definitely improving. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think sense. that I think if you're Washington, you you may think you know you found your quarterback for the future in Sam Howell. Um, I I thought he played pretty pretty decent. So he's a young quarterback. So of course he's going to be up and down. But um, but I thought I thought he looked he looked pretty good. And if you're the Patriots, all you're playing for now is pride. Uh, it's just you know that that doomsday clock on Bill Belichick. Is getting louder and louder and louder. So oh, a, a Bill Belichick led Patriots are at two and seven. This is not the height. This is not the dynasty. So mm. uh, oh, it's interesting to see how many Patriots fans there still are. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know. Tom Brady is just sitting back, just laughing at this whole thing. Yep. Um, <laughs> so yeah. He's, he's probably ca- calling Robert Kraft saying, fire him, fire him, fire him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's it's terrible for the Patriots. Mac Jones is absolute garbage. I keep saying it every week, guys. I, I have to say it as a certified Mac Jones hater. He is trash. And I am reveling in all the glory of saying that. And for guys who have suffered long time, a long time because of this Patriots dynasty. I think it, it is even sweeter for them to see them absolutely suck against a commanders team that traded away two of their best defenders during the week and still were able to shut down the Patriots offense who have absolutely nothing going for them. It is just so bad over there. I, I can't even believe. And the worst thing about it is I can't even blame Mac Jones for that last second interception because that just came off Juju's hands, man. Like, that's the worst thing about this game is I actually can't hate on Mac Jones for that last interception. I can hate on him for the second half, though. It was terrible. Yeah. yeah. You'll, I mean, you'll hate on him regardless, mate. So let's Yeah, just... that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just be clear there. So, um, all right, let's move on to another game between two other middling teams. And I promise uh, NFL fans that we will eventually get to talking to a game that has some excitement. Um, Let's get all these trash ones out of the way quick enough. All right, let's let's talk about the New New Orleans Saints uh, and Chicago Bears. The Bears went... To New Orleans to meet the Saints, who are now at five and four after coming away with a 24-17 win over the now two and seven Bears, who are also in a race to the top for that number one draft pick. Tyson Badgett started another week for the Bears, so another week without uh Justin Fields. Um did throw more numbers. This is probably one of his uh, higher games passing than he has had. Uh, so he's obviously getting a little bit more comfortable there so they do feel like they can call up more receiving players or more passing plays. But you're gonna, the, in terms of the Bears, especially the Bears' defense, you cannot stop the cyborg that is Derek Carr from scoring points. You just will not. 25 of 34, 211, two TDs, zero interceptions, zero sacks. 
Derek Carr controlled the hell out of this game and did just enough with the rest of the Saints' offense to get them over the hump. Yeah, I think you're 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 spot on. They did just enough, but the their def- defense looked pretty good. At least Paulson Adebo did. That dude, two two yeah. interceptions, a forced fumble, and the recovery. So hats off to him, um, but that Saints defense and kept him in there and won this game for him. And if they're gonna, you know, win this division, that's what it's gonna take. Um, is is that defense stepping up? They they were quiet this first half of the season, um, but they've started to turn around these last couple games. And and to the Bears, hats off to the coaching staff. I really thought their game plan with Tyson. Bajant or Bajant, I don't know how you pronounce Bajant, I think that's it. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, they they really put him, I felt like they put him in good situations. They let him use his, his athleticism. They didn't make it too complicated for him. So uh, I really admire the way that they handled him. And, and they made the game safe or close somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... We're going to move on, Manjo, oh, because you're yeah. going to, I'm going to hand the next one a bit to you. Look, but but while, whilst we're still on Bears, whilst we're yeah. still on Bears, BK, I would love to have more Bears talk for you, dude. Uh, if you're out there listening, hit us up. Yeah, yeah. Will, We will happily have you so we can talk a little bit of Bears because I don't feel like we give them enough love because they have just been so bad this season. But they're definitely oh. not anywhere near as bad as the Cardinals. So we should give them a little bit more love. Manjot, we're going to move on because I yeah. know the next one Thank is for God. you. I know the next one is for you. So you're going to have so. a couple of minutes only because this is a terrible game. To Can you, without talking, can you talk about both teams, Manjot, and tell us about the Ravens and the Seahawks? The Ravens... <laughs> The Ravens are now at seven and two and possibly looking like one of the best teams. They're definitely the AFC. They're way up there in the AFC right now. And maybe even the entire NFL. Seven and two. 37 to three, they beat the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. It was incredible, honestly, watching the Ravens out there. I'll talk about the Seahawks first. Man, the Seahawks could not do a single thing to stop the Ravens. It felt like the Ravens just ran all over them, literally 298 rushing yards to 28. If you look at the stats, the Seahawks only had three first downs after three quarters. They finished the game with six first downs. They really couldn't move the ball. They allowed 37 points, allowed, as I said, 298 rushing yards and 515 total yards. Just absolutely could do nothing against this Ravens juggernaut and the Ravens, man. I I actually, firstly, Ravens, thank you for giving us back the division lead. Thank you so much. Christmas cards are coming on the way when you guys come (laughs) in and play us on Christmas Day. All right, I'll give I'll give you a Christmas card, Lamar. Don't worry. Oh, Manjot, you just just keep putting all this stuff on tape for me, Manjot. I'm just gonna keep it's just gonna keep coming back as receipts. <laughs> you get, I'll, I'll give I'll give Lamar a Christmas card just because he he did he did enough. Honestly, people are saying yeah, Lamar didn't get any touchdowns in this game, but I think this was the first time this whole season I actually got a chance to watch the Ravens in a full game, and Lamar was really efficient with it. I mean, twenty one for twenty six for one hundred eighty seven yards was really efficient. He just moved the ball left and right, 
flood downfield and let his running backs like Gus Edwards score the touchdowns. Keaton Mitchell, he came out of nowhere and got nine carries, 138 yards and a TD. He, it really shows the Ravens' running game is really elite as well. And that's something you really love to see if you're a Baltimore fan going into the colder weather months of December and January. When the games get more important, the Ravens can run the ball more. And that's a really good sign to see. Brad, you got anything? No, nah, it was trash. Seahawks, they just, you know, they're they're a playoff contending team, but they did not show up. And mm-hmm. I would have no problem if anybody said the Ravens were the number one team in the NFL. Um, I, they, I, I don't think I, anybody could argue that. You could make an argument for one, two, or three. Um, so, you know, hats off to the Ravens. They dominated from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's move on to what probably is the game of the week this week, uh, and that is because the Houston Texans beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in an absolute shootout, thirty-nine to thirty-seven, where the lead changed in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter, three separate times. And when I say late, I mean within the final two minutes, three yeah. times. C.J. Stroud throwing the game-winning touchdown and becoming the uh, all-time leader for, for rookies for passing yards. Uh, maybe the TD one too, Manjot, wasn't it? Oh, it was close. It was, it was close. close but he, sure. CJ Stroud threw 30 of 42, 470 yards, five Jeez. TDs. The Texans had three receivers over 100 yards in this game. Noah Brown. It was a tie. Yep. Noah the Brown with 153. Yep. So Noah Brown with 153. Dalton Schultz with 130, and Tank Dell with 114 and two TDs. Uh, Nico Collins got in there as well. The Texans played amazingly, and I have to say the Buccaneers played pretty damn well as well. Baker Mayfield was doing some pretty good things, but unfortunately a lot of the receiving, he had to use a lot of the receiving core because a lot of the guys weren't very consistent, and I'm talking about uh, a lot more about Mike Evans and where is Chris Godwin. I don't know, but they were mm. they were pretty bad um, in terms of their consistency. They did have a couple of long ones. Mike Evans' long was fifty three, and he only ended up with eighty seven yards. So it's just um, it's not good enough from the Tampa Bay receiving core. They don't really rush a lot, unfortunately, Tampa Bay, and they really should, especially when they have Rashad White. I feel like they would have done a, a little bit better here against Houston. But wow, wow, wow! CJ Stroud is just looking he's living up to everything that he should have been yeah this was a a fun and and exciting game and you know the thing that impressed me most about Stroud is as a rookie he didn't throw any interceptions you throw the ball that many times and you don't throw a pick that's impressive that is really really impressive so apparently he's only like the sixth guy uh ever to throw uh, for that many yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. So to do that as a rookie is pretty unheard of. So so I think Stroud is the real deal um, with this because there's enough tape on him now where teams can adjust and, and and kind of force him to make those throws that he's not as comfortable with, and yet he's still just leading his team down the field. So hats off to them. 
Buccaneers, I'm sorry, but I, I think that you finally are um, who we thought you were a little bit. So there's only so much Baker can do, just like you said, Ian. And mm. if, if he's not getting the support, they, they just can't do it. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting just watching both of these teams. Just It was a great game of football. As I said earlier, it was very interesting watching this side-by-side with the Vikings game on Red Zone. It was the craziest, like, 30 minutes just watching this game amongst all the other games going on at the same time. That's why I love Red Zone. But, man, the, the Texans, they found a real dude in Stroud. He's not only the real deal, I think. I think he's a top-10 quarterback already. I think I've seen enough from him to say he's a top 10 quarterback in this league. There's not many guys I would take over CJ Stroud. He was very hard done by in the draft process. That cognitive test, it, it was not not fair. Oh, screw not your fair, screw your S2 test. Yeah, that S2 <laughs> test, man. Come on. You you've got absolutely everything wrong. This guy, most passing yards tied the most touchdowns in a game. Just absolutely incredible what he's done throughout the season and with a receiving core that essentially has literal nobodies on it coming into the season. He's made them into somebodies at this point, such as Noah Brown, Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz, Nico Collins. He made them all into stars right now. It's crazy. I mean, like Noah Brown with Dak Prescott, he rarely did have a game like this. But now with CJ Stroud, he's starting to find a little bit of form here and there. He 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 had probably his best game of his entire career, Noah Brown, throughout this one. So I really think that, hey, look, it, it was just a CJ Stroud show. And he has to get all the praise, I think, in the world because he is just an amazing kid. And 100%, the future is very bright for the Texans. I was just really disappointed, though, that we don't get to see them in primetime this season. They're a really fun team. I think they're a really hard-nosed football team. I think CJ Stroud is the guy that really goes with their defensive mindless head coach in D'Amico Ryans. It's just a perfect marriage. Mate, we don't get them in primetime because somebody else's Texas team decides they want to chew up all the primetime hours for Texas. (laughs) And then we get all the other (laughs) trash teams like the Bears, the Raiders, the Jets. The Texans are way more impressive than those guys. I tell you what, I've got got CJ Stroud in one of my fantasy teams with with Jalen Hurts as well. So I'm pretty sure uh, in coming weeks, considering some of the trash defenses they're going to be coming up against, that I'm going to end up swapping CJ Stroud out for my QB one, um, even though mm-hmm. I do have Jalen Hurts, because just because of who they're coming up against and who the Eagles are going to be coming up against. So this week, I mean, Jesus, he scored nearly scored fifty this week with this this uh this showing. So incredible, incredible. All right, let's move on to the Colts and the Panthers. Let's talk about the other top rookie QB. And I feel mm-hmm. like we keep going these two back to back week after week. It's just how they end up in the ESPN schedule in the list. To be honest, that's what we're going down. If anybody ever wonders and they want to follow along. So Bryce Young had a, after last week where he had a great game, we're back down to the, to to Bryce Young that we had earlier in the season. The game just wasn't great for the Panthers. They are really just missing something on, on offense and their defense tries and tries and tries to keep them in games, but 
even their defense this week couldn't keep them in this game against the Colts offense who have seemed to found a slightly different gear against teams like this just to make sure that they keep those those win totals up um and they do have some guys uh, there who are sort of really coming back to on and off each week we talked about with Tampa Bay about the receiving core being up and down and not consistent i find that with the Indianapolis Colts as well this just happened to be a game where Michael Pittman Jr was on and that was about it but they managed to do enough in this game to beat the Panthers 27 to 13. And I don't know how much more I can say about that. And I would love to be talking way more about Minshew mania, considering that's what we've got for this season. Now I finally get a season <laughs> with Minshew mania and I can't even talk about a good game. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's, it's interesting for me because Indianapolis they had given up in their last three previous games, 37, 39, 38 points. So their defense was, was on their heels a little bit. And then Carolina just comes in and just lays an absolute goose egg. So like you said, Ian, Carolina, uh, the Colts just have a way of rising against these, these I opponents. Think, I think the difference there, though, Brad, is that the, the opponents that they were coming up against, and that highlights yeah. the Panthers' problems. So, so the Colts, obviously the third Jags, Browns, and Saints, who were just a bit better um, on offense, so they were able to get over the the Colts defense problems, so they can score mm. points. Whereas here, this just highlights the problems with the Panthers. Yeah, and and I dare I say the the problem with the Panthers, one of them right now it's Bryce Young. I mean, you got to call a spade a spade. And in the sense of he's given up 45 points off of turnovers just against him. He had two pick sixes uh, against him this just in this game. So he he looked woeful. He had only 35 yards passing uh, at halftime. And all he's doing is just dinking and dunking his way and they don't have any talent around him. So it's not all his fault, but it's making him look really, really bad. Yeah. So the, you know, the Panthers, they, to give up that first round pick, you know, they're not going to get much better next year either. So it could be a long, and then you're looking at, okay, you're into year three, year four, but before they can even potentially turn things around. And then you've lost, his his uh rookie contract the benefit of him having him on a rookie contract so it's just yeah. it's not working out for the panthers yeah it's price has been thrown to a very bad situation let me be yeah. honest i mean it, it i i know i know it's very easy to blame him and yeah two pick sixes is horrible same guy kenny moore as well i mean yeah he's missing some of these reads left and right but let's not forget this panthers team they traded away their two best weapons. If they had mm-hmm. DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey on this team, I think it'd look a lot better with Bryce Young. And if they had invested in their O-line a bit more, again, it would have looked a lot better with Bryce Young, I think. The only saving grace on that team is pretty much Adam Thielen. Like, he's the only other guy on offense that's willing to help Bryce Young. I think, yeah, definitely. It's a totally different team if CMC and DJ Moore had stayed. But, and that's, that yeah. is that is the thing, and I'm sure we'll be going to be talking about that in our recap episode, our mid-season recap episode later in the week. But that is the thing. They gave up so much in 
yeah. this year's draft to get Bryce Young, that they didn't have anything to go out and get other weapons in a draft to put around him, and then they completely failed themselves and their fans in the in free agency. So that they failed to sign any good guys. So they failed to recognize that. So and they had enough time to to rectify that from when they knew they were going to have that first round pick and what they uh, that first overall pick and what they gave up to get it. So yeah, I mean they're reaping what they're sowing here. I said it to you earlier in a week, man, Jot. That the 2024 draft basically doesn't exist for the Carolina Panthers. They have to look it at doesn't. 2025 now, and that's what Brad exactly what Brad's saying. You're two more years down the track. Yeah. Only thing that only thing though, if they trade away a guy like Brian Burns and make their team worse, but get a first round pick back, that is the only way they're gonna be players in the first round. So it's yeah, Brian but, Burns is the only guy they'll trade. You still or, have to, or JC Horn. Yeah. You still have to make sure you hit on those rookies though. That's the problem. Yeah. So it's uh anyway, let's um let's move on to the next one. The Las Vegas Raiders versus the New York Giants. Earlier in the week, everybody thought that this game was just going to be absolute balls and it was just going to be total poo. Uh, And then we had the first coach firings for 2023. Of course, the Raiders fired both their GM and their head coach. Antonio Pierce gets given the reins, the interim reins. We get uh, an interim GM with the best name ever in Champ Kelly. Uh, as Brad and I talked about on our on our trade deadline recap show, uh, the most American name you could ever get, uh, Champ Kelly. <clears throat> so they, he comes in and and I guess instills a, a different vibe into this locker room. You saw that there was pictures and there was visions of them during the week having fun at training. And some of the players have talked about the fact that they haven't been able to do things uh, like that, listening to music and, and just, I guess, just gathering and being a team. Uh, yeah. And when you're with, with these guys, when you're with each other so often, you need to feel like a family. You need to feel like a team. You need to feel like you trust each other. Um, and, and it seems like previous coaches, um, one, um, yeah, previous coaches were just trying way too much to push the the Patriots way mm-hmm. uh, or an ex-Patriots way, which is very much don't have fun, be very serious about football all the time. Um, but that doesn't always work. So the Raiders get a new coach bump, go into a game with Aiden O'Connell, rookie Aiden O'Connell, against the New York Giants, start playing well. The New York Giants then lose Daniel Jones to what we now know is a season-ending ACL injury. So he is gone. The Daniel Jones is gone for the 2023 season, likely the rest of time for the New York Giants. Tommy DeVito, their Third string quarterback comes in because, of course, Tyra Taylor got put on IR earlier in the week. So he is still out for a few more games. So he comes in. He does the best he can, Tommy DeVito. But Tommy DeVito ain't no NFL quarterback. Uh, (laughs) And this team, in terms of the Giants, cannot figure it. This team, well, the New York Giants ain't no NFL team, basically, at this point either. So this is what it is. And the Giants and the Raiders end up winning 30-6. to I don't know, boys. Can you say much more about this game? Oh, oh, one, more, one more. Manjot would have pointed it out, but I'll point it out. Max Crosby three sacks in this game. Yeah, could have got, could have got a fourth right at the end, and he was pissed at himself for missing it. <laughs> I I honestly loved what Max Crosby was doing because I 
I only watched spurts to do some red zone because I was mainly concentrating on Eagles and Cowboys, which we'll talk about in a second. But honestly, I was watching Max Crosby most of that time when the Giants had the ball. And the amount of push he got on all the linemen. He literally pushed over linemen like every single play. And, so I and said, man, John, this is not an NFL team. This I know, but Max offensive Crosby, line Max. offensive linemen are big people. And they yeah. are hard to move. And there is I know Max Crosby is strong, but he should not be pushing two guys to the ground. Oh no, it's... he's he's just been he was playing like a man possessed out there. He was just willing his team to the win. I mean, there's that video that came out early in the week that was a little bit soft on Max. But I, I think, you know, he really came out and played real well this game. That's what I think was really the difference for the Raiders on defense. I think they're a lot freer of a team. I mean, Antonio Pierce, he he really seems like a guy you want to play for. I watch his opening press conference and everything. He just seems like a guy you really want to play for. And I think McDaniels felt threatened by that. I mean, there was reports that McDaniels was pissed off at him for mentioning the Giants' 2007 Super Bowl win just because McDaniels was a Patriots guy and the Patriots lost that game. I mean, McDaniels is such a baby, man. Like, thank God he's off this team. This team deserves a lot better for a lot of these guys. So shout out Raiders. Good job of firing McDaniels. The, um... The Raiders, the other thing, big thing they did in this game that I noticed, and I watched a lot of this game because I wanted to see a lot of Aiden O'Connell and I wanted to see how the Raiders played. I was really interested in it. What I noticed the most is they ran the ball and that has not been Raiders football over the, the rest of the season, earlier in the season. Josh Jacobs got 98 yards, 26 carries, 98 yards, two TDs. So Josh Jacobs was alive in this game and it was great to see Josh Jacobs back to being the 2022 Josh Jacobs that really proved a point to the Raiders and, and made them uh, pay, basically, and pay him some money. So that was uh, pretty much it. We'll move on because we do have better football to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Cowboys go into Philadelphia hoping for a big game, and they got just that, Brad. But not yes. quite, not quite enough to get over the might of the Eagles. Yeah, this was. Uh, I, I was talking to Manja in the green room before the uh, the green before room. We, yeah. Well done. <laughs> before we started here, and it was, you know, it was a game of inches. Uh, you know, you've heard it said, Cowboys fourth and one, they go for it. Uh, they the. They just can't quite get the ball over the goal line. His knee gets down. Zach, uh, Dak Prescott steps out of bounds on the two point conversion. Um, they don't. They miss out on that. So you, you have a couple of these things break the other way, and it's a completely different ball game. So you know, as a Cowboys fan, you're gutted, but you're not devastated. It's not like the 49er game. Um, in the sense that you hung with the best team in the NFL, in, in my opinion, uh, right now, the best team in the NFL. And you and that game could have gone either way. So the Cowboys, yes, they have three losses, but you know, their next five games are against Chiefs, Bills, 
49ers, uh, or sorry, the Eagles. I was, I'm going and getting my schedules confused. The Eagles have their games against the Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys again, and the Seahawks. So the Eagles are in the thick of it. So even though they've got this two-half game lead, uh, the Cowboys still, I believe, uh, the eternal optimist in me, says that they can come back and and still make a game of this um it'll be really interesting obviously they're going to need some help what concerns me about the cowboys though is outside of cd lamb and now you're seeing ferguson step up the tight end but outside of those two their other receivers have done diddly squat cooks has just virtually disappeared um he's not even getting targets so i don't know what's going on there he, he doesn't fit in my opinion he doesn't fit that well in in the offense he he fits in an offense where they're putting him in motion a lot more and that type of thing i think if kellen moore had been there it would have been a little bit of a better fit um but it's and their run game is just isn't it's not producing what it needs to terrence Steele was just getting owned on the right tackle for the cowboys so, I mean, granted, it's against arguably the best defensive line in the NFL, but still, he just he looked like a boy amongst men. So it's a bit concerning in, in that regard. The Eagles, you know, hats off to them. They just, they are, I think, a class above everybody else. They just find a way to win. It's, it's the Eagles, and then I think you've got a bunch of other teams, at least in the NFC, um, so I hate, I hate the Eagles. I'm sorry. I, I know hate's a strong word, but I just, I can't stand them. Um, and I, I really hope they can get knocked off by a couple of these other teams, but they, they made the plays when they needed to, uh, you know, Jalen hurts. He, he wasn't great, but, but he still had 343 yards, uh, you know, uh, so it's just, well, actually, no, I don't think he had that many yards, but he had a lot of yards and it's just, it's frustrating uh, to me that they're always finding ways to win. Uh, they're a great team. And so I, I can't fault them. You know, they beat the Cowboys. Banjo. Yeah. Do you, I know you, you watched a lot of this game and I know uh, you were finding the end was the end of the game was particularly insane. And I want to talk a bit about that. Do you find that it was the very weird decisions on the Cowboys part, considering they, they got a touchdown to come back to 23-28. They forced the Eagles to punt on two different plays, but in the middle of that, they went 10 plays, 45 yards, and lost it on downs. But they got they forced the Eagles to punt and get the ball back with 31 seconds to go. And then they go on a, a really weird drive where there was basically just incomplete passes, short right to to Jake Ferguson for for 10 yards, and then you get to a point here where there was an incomplete pass to with that left it with five seconds left. It was an incomplete pass to Jake Tolbert. And hmm. when we see vision now, Manjot, there was we could clearly see that CD Lamb, who had 191 yards receiving at this point, was open on that play. And you would have to believe that if you go to CD Lamb at any point with those five seconds to go, that the Cowboys score. A, a touchdown and possibly win the game. Yeah, Dak played real well. Just want to say that first. I, I gotta say, Dak was. I, I did. Dak I just think it's probably the better I, quarterback I the, on the yeah. day. But 
I I agree with you, and that's what I was getting to. Is yeah. I agree with you. I just wanted to preface it by saying this is not me hating on Dak because I actually think Dak played a very good game. I actually think he almost, if he didn't, he was very close to outperforming Hurts in this game. I thought those two QBs played real well. I just think down the stretch, Dak missed a lot of throws. He missed a lot of guys, like you said, CD on that close one to Schoenmaker. It was um. I think he missed Cooks over the middle in that one, which would have been a certain touchdown. There was a few screenshots here and there I looked at, which are, which can be misleading without the video, but it, it was really shown. He missed a few guys over the middle that he could have got. And, yeah, it, I mean, he tried to make it up to CD on that last play, but he got it to CD. But CD had no chance with five tacklers there. It, it was no no hope in the world for the Cowboys and really getting anything. And I just think, you know, it was it was tough, honestly, like watching uh watching this game. Cause okay, I as Brad said, I hate the Eagles too, man. Like I can't stand their fan base, a lot of their players as well, love dirty guys out there, love cocky guys. But honestly, I think the Phil Philadelphia Eagles, I see this team and honestly, I think there's a lot of luck with them as well as they're good, but they're getting a lot of luck as well. And I think with that, I think I've seen enough boys. I think they're the team that's going to win the Super Bowl. I've seen enough with these guys. I think I think I've seen enough of this season to know Philadelphia is just a class above everyone, and they're getting quite a bit of luck going their way in a few of these games. I mean, look, the game against both of your teams, right? If Sean Maker gets a touchdown when he stopped the one. If Justin Jefferson gets a touchdown when he stopped the one, that means Philadelphia would be six and three, but they're not. They're eight and one. There's a few other games as well where they've had decisive plays there, here and there, where, you know, it's a matter of inches with them. So they've got a bit of luck going their way. I mean, like that Dolphins game, they talked about the refs and everything. Like there's, there's elements of luck that's going Philadelphia's way. I think that plus how good they are. I'm sorry, guys, but I've seen enough. I think Philadelphia's winning it all. I've seen it. Interesting, because at the moment, I reckon it'd be Ravens, Eagles, and oh, it's weird to see you say that, because, uh, yeah. I, I just think they're just a class above everyone. I just I I really can't picture how anyone can stop Philadelphia. And I don't want to be known as, as, a, as an Eagles-hating podcast, because I have been on record before saying that I I think they are the worst they have the worst fan base in football and I yeah. do hate that legitimately hate their fans. They ate horse poo. They ate horse poo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all we need to know. They threw batteries they threw batteries at Santa Claus. A person dressed as Santa Claus. They had a courtroom. And we're gonna keep doing that. Field. Right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether I hate the team that much anymore. But I know the fans themselves. The fans are garbage. The fans are garbage. Um, not Australian Eagles fans. They're they're not as insufferable. They're they're normal people that just like to uh, have a whole heap of banner, um, which I love because that's very much the Australian way to to rip on someone like we do with Manjot the Forty ers but then still have a lot of love for them in the end anyway. So <laughs> let's move the hell on and let's talk about talking about a lot of love. Uh, Buffalo Bills went back into Cincinnati. And, of course, it was around this time last season. And, and can you believe it's been 12 months? 
for that fateful game where we all witnessed a man basically die on a pitch and come back to life. And that, of course, was DeMar Hamlin. He wasn't active for this game, but he was there. It's it's insane to think that was 12 months ago, only 12 months ago. It feels like forever ago that that happened. Um, but we are only at 12 months. The Bills, though, this time around, unlike last season where there was a lot going on, the Bills, and we were in for a massive shootout game, um, and, and it did happen later on. But the Bills this time around, I don't think are the same Bills. I, I think that they're, they've lost a little bit of their way and uh, since the start of the season, and I don't think you can really consider them legitimate Super Bowl contenders anymore because they have this weird inconsistency to just just fall apart or destroy themselves within games. Um, who knows what's going on with that culture? The Bengals, however, after a very, very woeful start, uh, who they are, of course, right now uh, fourth in the AFC North standings, though. Very, very woeful start. They uh, won this game 24 to 18. So this is a, a good string of wins now for the Bengals. Joe Burrow is definitely back. Um, and we saw a an insane game out of none other than T. Higgins, who took some big shots early on on the ground uh, with players falling on top of him and getting kicked in the head, but still ended up with 110 receiving yards in this. Manjot, I guess we'll start with you. Um, yeah. What do you feel about the Bills right now? Because that it seems to be the talk right now. Uh, I just think this team, if they didn't have Josh Allen, they'd be a horrible team. That, that, that is my honest thought. That is, yeah, absolutely. I never thought of it that way, but I totally agree. <laughs> I think Josh Josh Allen is just so good of a quarterback, and people just love hating on him. But and and we, I know you you guys, we bring like Marky Mark brings up that superhero complex, but he has to play like a superhero every game to keep them in the game. That is the whole thing. I mean, I feel like I'm becoming a Josh Allen defender right now. But essentially, I'm seeing a lot of hate, unwarranted, I think, for Josh Allen. Yes, he does have a turnover problem. But really, it's just him. He's got to try and do something. I think the Bills are such a predictable team. They rely on Josh Allen all the time. It's just Josh Allen and nobody else on that team. The run game is absolute dog shit. Uh, the the O-line, they, they can... The O-line, I don't even know what's going on. They allow free free man pressures to get to Josh Allen all the time. Like, what the hell? Come on, O-line. What what is going on there? The defense is just dead. All their good players went away. They they all got on IR. And it's just really I think it's just Josh Allen's getting too much hate for this. He is the only guy on this team that actually tries, I feel like. Actually gives like his hundred percent best to progress the team i just really feel like there's a lack of some like energy out of everyone in this organization coaches included josh allen is single-handedly carrying this organization to any sort of relevance there is actually nothing across the board i actually i've never seen this honestly where one guy is just so influential to how well his team plays that if you actually took him off that the whole team would probably be a two-win team it's just so bad over then, yeah. Buffalo. I've Brad, never seen this before. Brad, what are you? Um, have you got any thoughts on Cincinnati? They uh, they're sitting at the bottom of their division at the moment, but it is all tied up two through three. 
And, of course, the Ravens are well on top of that division. Do you think they can get back to get over the Ravens before the end of the season? I think it's going to be close. They've dug themselves a big hole. But like you said, Burrow is back. And I think when he is back, mm-hmm. he, he can do anything. So they, unlike Josh Allen, they have the talent around him. And you saw, like you said, with T. Higgins, he just acted like he was the big round mound to rebound. And he was posting guys up. And just boxing them out and getting the catch. It was the T. Higgins of old. So if they can keep that kind of T. Higgins involved, um, look out. Um, because I doubt uh, you know the Ravens can can hold this level of play for the entire regular season. They might be able to, uh, but it would not surprise me if it comes down to the last couple of weeks. If Cincinnati continues this up, the well, only I... thing I would, I would say, man, that I would slightly disagree with you about the bills is Dalton Kincaid that he has balled out the, the tight end, especially these last couple of games, he he's balled out. So I will give him props, but I, with your overall thesis, I agree with it, but I just would not, uh, I think Kincaid is showing why they traded up to, to draft him. He's had 23 receptions the past three games tied for the most in NFL history by a rookie tight end in a three game span. So Apart from him, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. So, either way, Bengals are on the up, on the up, and Buffalo is on the way down. I'm um, yeah. I'm over Stefan Diggs and the the diva antics. It's just yeah, it's to, now to me it's becoming this. We don't we don't have to hear a lot about Aaron Rodgers' play because he's been injured. Obviously, there's a lot about Aaron Rodgers just trying to get back and healthy, and it's all very inspirational mm-hmm. this year. So there mm. hasn't been any of that real negativity, but it seems like Stefan Diggs decided that he would take that, take up that mantle and try and be the most hated person in the NFL. Yes. I just, yes. I don't, yes. there's already all these diva antics week to week and all this whinging that he's not getting enough ball and stuff like, dude, you're playing on a team. Uh, there's there, there, the old adage is there is no I in team and there really isn't any I in team. So if the rest of the team are playing well around you and you're getting and you're getting a win, then be happy with that. But he seems to be he wants to be the star of the, of every single win, and I wonder whether that is affecting the team in a way. But then there's video that came out from after his touchdown this week, where he slid out the back of the end zone, took out the the legs of a security guard who is facing the opposite direction because he's doing his job and facing the crowd and watching the crowd. It took him out. This guy went heavily down, straight onto his back, even onto his head. And I don't feel like anyone checked him for a concussion because he did go head first. But then he starts screaming at the security guard to get the hell off him. Like, uh, you know, you're the one that took out the dude. Like, what do you expect? And, like, the guy couldn't move. And then his own own teammates run over and are asking the the security guard, are you all right, man? Like, Stefan Diggs just either cut out – Cut out the, the diva shit or just get off this team because I feel like they would almost be better without him. So that's uh yeah. I don't I know. I think he's really dragging them down. I, I do agree with that, Ian. I mean, it, it's not any surprise that after all the stuff that came out off season, all the trade rumors and everything, and now they're going on decline. I mean, there's gotta be some sort of correlation there, especially offensive struggles and that. 
I I hundred percent agree yeah. with you there, Ian. He's got to really cut it out. There's a lot of stuff going on. This is why I mean. People say like Allen has helped with Diggs. I think Diggs is becoming more of a diva and distraction to this team. And and by the way, just saying the Bengals, I think they got Burrow as a legitimate MVP candidate out there. I think he's amazing. He deserves a lot of credit. And man, he's dicing up defenses on the weekly. He's he's become an MVP candidate. Yeah, there'll be a couple of strong ones of those, and we should discuss that in coming weeks, actually. Have a look at those. Yeah. That's a good topic to have a have a bit of a look at. But for now, let's get on to the final game of the weekend. It was Monday Night Football, uh, played between the Los Angeles Chargers and the New York Jets. The Chargers went into New York um, hoping to get another win under their belt, and they certainly did that despite the New York Jets defensively having an amazing showing in this game. And they really kept the charges at bay for, for quite a long time. Uh, there is again a, for another New York game twice uh, in a, in a, a couple of weeks, there is a ridiculous amount of, um, of punt plays. Uh, and that is courtesy of the charges, uh, the jets, sorry, holding out the charges offense. The Chargers managed to get a win 27-6 over the Jets, who really couldn't get anywhere near the red zone long enough and stop having their own penalties long enough or stop destroying their own drives long enough to actually score some points. Yeah, the uh, the, the Chargers are on a little bit of a two-game win streak here, so good for them. Um but it's their defense that kind of showed up a little bit. That's going to be the difference in whether or not they can make something happen. Joey Bosa gets two and a half sacks. So um, he's, he's, he's been kind of under the radar, at least in Joey Bosa terms. So he needs to step it up. Their offensive line is just woeful. I mean, again, you're going up against the jets and they're, they've got some studs, uh, but Herbert's just getting sacked left and right i think he, they got him five times this game so um th- that guy gets no luck with his, his offensive line protection he he never has so um and and the jets uh, i'll let Manjot talk about them because it's just, it's just it's it's just i'm sorry we eight touchdowns in eight games you're not going to win anything uh it's amazing that they have won the the games that they have so uh yeah chargers on the way up jets on the way down <laughs> i love you summing every game up like that brad <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think i think he's correct though i mean no i don't i don't he's... think he's incorrect i just love it uh yeah well man John, i'll tell you what I'll, I'll i'll save you from the indignity of having to talk about the jets too much uh-huh. uh last week we talked about punt fest 2023 and we almost had it again there were 15 punts in this. How's Thomas Morstead, the Jets punter? His uh his stat line for this season so far, and this will let's let's round this off as the New York Jets in the 2023 season. Oh, Thomas yeah. Morstead has had 47 punts in the eight games that they've played this season for 2,270 yards. 
Wow. He, he's got an average of 48. He's, he kicks them hard, but 47 wow. punts. He is projected, these numbers, he projected to be 100 punts in the season. That is insane. Oh, I don't. He was not. I don't know how he's got a leg now. He's not going to have a leg after doing another another fifty of them. <laughs> man, he deserves a lot of money, lot of credit there. Oh man, like all these jet struggles. It's just, I I know like the O line, everything has just been bad. But man, Zach Wilson has not been great. It's just, I I have to say it. I I know Ian. We had the argument about Zach Wilson a few weeks ago, but. He is really not, he's not there, man. Like, he's not, he's got no awareness. I've seen a lot of tape today watching the game. It's just, yeah, he, he misses open running lanes. He misses Major, open after, receivers. It's after just, today, I have to put him him and Mac Jones side by side, basically. Yeah. I have to I have to give in on the Zach Wilson takes. And right. I have to basically put him with Mac Jones. They are yeah. they are a product of their environment to start with, but you also need to put in the work even when you're not getting yeah. the right coaching, you still need to do it yourself to show that you still have promise. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's not CJ Stroud. He's not Josh Dobbs, who's yeah. just learned the playbook in like two days, getting the win. That That's where I really see Zach Wilson. It's just, he, he isn't cut for it, I think. I just, I, I don't want to, I mean, he's, he's a good kid and everything, but man, it's just, it's hard to see it not be Zach Wilson's problem. The defense is playing well. They're playing as great as they can, but the offense is just, yeah, it's just really like all the hopes in this team really died when Aaron Rodgers went down. Zach Wilson has been trying to keep them afloat so that Rodgers can come back and lift them hopes again. But Mm. uh, he's got to have a couple more good games in him, Zach Wilson, somewhere. He hasn't had enough, I think. The defense has really got to carry now. They've got to get scores of their own. That was what was missing today, I think, from the Jets, is they didn't get enough takeaways on defense. No takeaways, I think, as well. The Chargers recovered all of their own fumbles and everything. So, really, that's what the Jets need on defense is more turnovers. They need to force more of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, you know what they need on offense, though, Manjot, is they need to run the goddamn ball. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's what I noticed today is that they just you've got you've got Brees Hall, you've got Dalvin Cook, um, you know, run the ball. These guys can can really run the ball. The Chargers have been terrible against the run, far better against the pass, and that is because they have. And then talk about the Chargers defense. The Chargers defense have been great against the pass in, in pass rush because they have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. But in terms of against the run, they haven't been that good. Their their defense is uh, a lot less, and they will give up a lot more yards against the rush. Yet here we are, and the the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett are deciding to constantly dial up pass plays for Zach Wilson, who it's already been known that he can't do much further than short to medium, um, and he can't complete things. So I don't understand why you're continuing to do it. This vision of, of Robert Sala on the on the sideline after every time something didn't happen with the offense and he's there shaking his head. And every time I thought, you should be shaking. He's shaking his head at the players like they can't complete anything. Don't shake your head at the players, mate. Turn to your left and look at the bloke who keeps dialing up pass plays against the team with two of the best pass rushers in the league absolutely balling out. 
and he keeps dialing up pass plays. Like, it's Nathaniel Hackett. Tell him to wake up to himself. Like, yeah. Rush the ball. Run the ball. You've got Brees Hall. Run the ball. Yeah, yeah. Don't understand it. He only got 50 yards rushing oh, again man. in this game and 16 carries, and it's just not enough. When when we've got other numbers here we've talked about today with uh, RB1s who are in the, the 20s to 30s, you know, for carries in games, and Brees Hall is getting absolutely nothing, and Dalvin Cook is getting nothing, and it just it boggles my mind. Um, all I can think is oh, here, if it was Rogers, if it was Rogers as a QB with Nathaniel Hackett, I guarantee you Rogers would be changing plays and hand the ball off. I just guarantee it. He just knows. Mm. And it's because he's Aaron Rodgers could actually be a far better coach than Nathaniel Hackett. And I'll just put that out there because it's it's yeah. clear that that's what always happened in Green Bay. And now after last season with the Broncos and now what's happening in the Jets, I'm starting to think Nathaniel Hackett is way out of his depth without Aaron Rodgers. Mm. So anyway, oh, boys, no. that's the end of week nine. We got there with some very spicy takes at the end uh, and a lot of rants. I've had two rant, two games, two rants right at the end. So you're welcome. G'day, Gridiron listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we did our real best to get it down uh, this week for you guys. Don't worry. Listeners. We did. We, we, we did our best. We did. Oh, we will get it there. Trust me. There's going to be some spicy editing from me and we'll get it down. Hey. <laughs> uh, but apart from that... Um, Keep a, keep an ear out and and watch the um the podcast platforms later in the week. We are going to have an episode that we're loosely titling titling titling. Is that my English is gone this late at night, boys? Uh, titling uh, mid season report card where we're going to have a look back at uh, our division predictions and how each team's doing and give a bit of a report card and then a bit of a mid season wrap up uh, after week nine stuff. So keep an eye out on that later later in the week. And then other than that, we'll be back for the Week 10 recap shows with hopefully a lot of excellent games. So fingers crossed for that. So we'll see you on the uh, later in the week, I guess. See you later, boys. Take care, everyone. Take care, everybody. G'day Gridiron is brought to you by the Aussie Gridiron Network, a network of Australian podcasts bringing you some of the best content from the NFL and the local game. Check out our other podcasts, Aussie NFL Fantasy and No Huddle Dynasty, 